Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of our WebEx Partner Podcast, Episode 22, Season 3 with VQ Communications. We are very excited to have him join us back as our most loved co-host, Kevin Adamson. Kevin previously worked for Tropo before it was acquired by Cisco in 2015, following which he spent eight years at Cisco and is currently leading the WebEx Ecosystem Partner Program. Excited to have you back again in this uh, episode, Kevin. Yeah, thanks very much, Taryn. Episode 20 odd already, so yeah, flies past, so looking forward to it. And most loved, Kevin. I like that. World famous. <laughs> you can now tune in and listen to WebEx Partner Podcast on Cisco Podcast Network on Spotify, SoundCloud, Audible, and most streaming channels. Don't forget to click the subscribe button and share this podcast. You can also catch our previous and latest episodes there as well. Now, we are very excited to be joined by our guest for today's episode. Let's all welcome Mike Horsley, Chief Executive Officer at BQ Communications. Mike has set up a small group that became BQ Communications LTD, raised VC funding, and now they have leading customers in the US, Europe, UK, and Asia Pacific, and have grown an amazing and global team. Also joining us on board is John English, Product Manager, and we also welcome back our good friend, Steve Holmes, Vice President of Sales. VQ Communications has become one of the leading global suppliers of solutions, enabling customers to deliver video conferencing services and has a very successful relationship with Cisco, which sells her products. They have also been a Solutions Plus partner since April of 2020 and is currently available on our Cisco Global price list. Now, without further ado, let's get started. Well, welcome to this episode of the podcast, gentlemen. Great to spend some time with you uh, for episode three with VQ and to hear about what's new. So uh, let's maybe start with giving our listeners some background on our new guests, Mike and John. So let's maybe start with Mike. So Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself and what motivated you to start VQ Communications. Well, I think first of all, I'd like to say thank you for the opportunity to be involved today. Yeah, I think what what started VQ um, in my 20s, I'd had a, um, in my mid to late 20s, early 30s, I'd had a successful software business and that had gone well and I'd worked out I needed to learn how to do more marketing. So I was really fortunate, ended up, uh, ended up working at Intel for eight years to do, te- learn how to do technology product marketing. And, but I, but ultimately I'd got this real desire to get back to having my own software company. So that was kind of what I was working towards. So um, that was really it. I wanted to get back to software and figured out what the opportunity might be and put the things in place that resulted in uh, VQ coming, coming into existence. Very good. So, so maybe now, John, uh, tell us a bit about yourself and, and what you do at VQ. So, yeah, a bit about myself. I've I've been with VQ since 20, well, 2020. I keep on thinking it's two years, but it's nearly three years I've been here. Um, bit about me, I've, I'm never sure whether to say I came over to the dark side or I've come over to the light side. But I used to sit on the other side of the fence. I, my, in my previous careers, I've done a lot of enterprise IT, finishing off as the head of unified communications for a very large bank. Um, so that's kind of... A career in all sorts of areas, but finally found myself on the um, thinking up and building its side, which is what I love, hence the product management. It's, it's just great working with customers and with other members of the VQ team. 
coming up with what it is we need to build and figuring out how to how to get it out there. Fabulous. So, so maybe for all of you or whoever wants to to answer, so any advice that you can give uh, folks wanting to work in technology or are thinking about uh, yeah early in career opportunities in technology? Any words <laughs> of wisdom? Well, I suppose from from what I just said, I suppose I could just say that um, yeah, don't don't pigeonhole yourself. Um, you can you can bounce around from all sorts of roles in technology, as Mike has attested with what he did. But my advice is be curious, embrace change, and throw yourself in front of the opportunity bus at every at every chance. Just get yourself out there and, and enjoy it. Yeah, I think I'd say something similar, which is do what you have a passion for. And certainly for me, it's it's software. And so in, in that respect, I, I would encourage people to get involved in an open source project and start 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 doing something like that so people can see what you, you are capable of. Okay. And who has been working at VQ the longest? Maybe the million-dollar question. Uh, well, probably, ultimately, that would be me. But uh, if you put that to one side and, you know, the other founders... Uh, I think it would be Tim, Tim Corrin, who now leads our engineering work. Uh, he, he joined a couple of years out of university and he's been with us ever since. And just one of those remarkable hires that we very fortunate, fortunate to make. And he's stayed with us and he's, he's, he's just brilliant. Great. It's always uh, always good to capture those um, and, and get the longevity of them staying. So great. Yeah. So outside of work, what do you all do for fun? Maybe we can go around table here. Everybody, chime in. Steve, you go first. Well, 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 well. I think I might have mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I've got an allotment. I quite enjoy getting outside and growing or attempting to grow stuff. And if it grows and the animals don't eat it, then um, then that's a, that's a bonus. So quite enjoy doing that. I haven't managed to spend quite as much time up there this year as, as I have previously. I think COVID helped quite a lot with that. It was a good escape um, and reason to get outside. So that, that, that was always good. And then, uh, yeah, enjoy a bit of travelling and seeing places and um, experiencing different cultures. A lot of that's tied back to work as well, to recent travel for, for business. But, um, yeah, that's probably my two big, big likes. Yeah, I'll go next then, just because mine's kind of similar. We're fortunate in the sense that we've got a bit of land, so I end up doing quite a lot of, it's not gardening, but it's managing managing or stopping stopping plants growing out of control, so chopping, <laughs> chopping down saplings and things like that seems to be, or mowing grass seems to be what I seem to spend a lot of my time doing at, at the weekends, or reading, I like uh, pub quizzes, sailing, and... And cycling. So, what I'd like to aspire to was that a sit-on snowblower. That's advanced. Yeah, I mean, there's no real need for it in the UK. No, you use it once every three years. Um, maybe help, help out the local council or something. But um, <laughs> that's one of the, <laughs> the things about Canada that I quite like the sound of. You know, if you had a, some space in Canada, you've got to have a snowblower. Yeah. Well. There you go. <laughs> Relocate to Canada. Okay. I know yes. a guy went under one, wasn't there, last year? Jeremy <laughs> yeah, <Be careful> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose on allotments, I'm showing my age here, I just thought the two run is straight away as soon as you said allotments then, Steve. <laughs> um, 
I spoke, I, I, I gave up on, I was all done on allotments by the end of my teens, having been used as child labour by my father on his allotment um, for digging and doing various things. Um, so my, my current thing for, for having fun is, is getting out, uh, well, getting out, but in indoor rock climbing with my boy. That's the, sort of the latest one since we, we moved. He took up that and found his thing and we have great fun. Sounds really cool. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. Let's now double click into, I guess, the meat of today's conversation around what's happened uh, at VQ and with the product since I think it was February we did the last episode, which seems ages ago now. Um, so diving right in. So having spent nearly a year on building device management and automation, or as we all know, DMA, um, and Cisco recently announcing they're stepping away from TMS, I assume you're seeing... Lots and lots of interest. Can you talk a little bit about some of that in more detail? Why are customers buying? What value are they seeing from that? Probably is one for me, isn't it? Yeah, I, yeah. We, we're seeing a huge <laughs> amount of interest, and it, it, it's coming from all, all over the world. We've seen um, inquiries from our, our friends at Cisco, partners, and customers in in territories we haven't done any business in previously, um, and, we're, and we're seeing more and more inquiries from um the, you know, the, that same mix again for in in areas where we where we have been doing business before as well so as of as of now we've sold about six and a half seven thousand seats of um dma i don't know if you can call it a seat when it's a device in a meeting room but you know device licenses for dma and and we've got a a forward view of deals over the next you know not too long a period that that sort of you know 10, 10 times that so um, it, it's been very successful. Um, why are customers buying part of that is the TMS end of sale announcement. That's been um, a, a catalyst for a lot of those more recent inquiries. And then, you know, in the in the run up to that announcement, I think um, a lot of organisations were, were also looking you know, really looking for an exit from TMS, knowing this was going to happen. And they've just seen us as a safe pair of hands um, and delivering delivering a, a great product and being a conference manager, we're trusted, and um, and they continue to. To, to see that level of trust through through DMA, I don't know if John wants to add anything to that with from a product yeah, perspective. Well, I suppose from from my perspective, one of the things I'm seeing, and this is um, in a big part down to um, one of our colleagues, um, Joel Price, who looks after our customer success um, work, is yeah, and the obvious thing is why they're buying because they need to replace TMS, but. Um, with DMA, it wasn't just about you know creating a TMS copy, and we're seeing a lot of interest now being generated in in those organisations who are using CUCM, which is obviously the kind of preferred state that Cisco take people to. I think in terms of their on-premise infrastructure, and in the past, people maybe didn't see the value of having TMS with CUCM, but with what we're doing with DMA, and you know we're it's one of the next things we're going to deliver is the full CUCM connector. Um, we're seeing people understanding and seeing the benefit that DMA can bring to those areas which didn't traditionally have this kind of management. So is it one of the things there, John, that the, that, uh, the relatively, num relatively, relatively limited number of parameters or configuration options that call manager brings to party relative to DMA? It, Exactly, that's the thing. CUCM can do so much, and TMS kind of turned itself down in the CUCM world. So what we've done is we've kind of broken through that a bit. 
you know, by talking with, you know, experts at, at Cisco and understanding how we go about doing it. And yeah, absolutely, Mike, being that, that, that ability as we found just recently with, with a number of subsequent releases, that, that 1,500 different settings that a Cisco device can have, um, you know, that people want to work with those. And, and I think that, that's, I'd say, the CCM interest is, is really picking out now. Really happy with that. Fantastic. Thank you. So with all of that good stuff around DMA, do you have any particular customer wins you can talk about in terms of why they why they chose VQ and you know, what made them make that make the decision? There's some pretty big ones, Kevin. So we've got um, thousand plus device license sales into um, into our US customers. And yeah, probably can't actually mention any of the, the names here. But for those, for those reasons John was talking about, and I mentioned before, really, it's about you know, having a safe pair of hands and having a future. And really, that they can people can see the development um, pathway that, that we're on. That TMS was a, a legacy product that was, you know, frankly, waiting to be shot. Um, and, and now we've got something that, that can take its place, that people can invest in, and they can see a future. So I think there's, there's, a, there's a lot of positives. Um, there's a, a scaling, um, large, large network management. So there's a whole host of reasons why um, customers are picking uh, DMA as a replacement for TMS. And, and obviously, they've got an option as well. They've got an option to go to cloud. Cisco's preferred route is to, to get people onto um, Control Hub. But really, in those air-gapped environments, uh, you can't go to cloud. And there's, there's other customers that just, just don't want to go to cloud. So, um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of reasons. I was going to say, I think the, the one I was going to add was um, that we, we, by, by the time we got to last June, we added DOD or Defense Department approved product list status. Yeah. The product that was a, like a two year investment. We, well, probably two years and more actually. But we, we, put, we got APL status, and I think that's helping a lot of these these wins to happen that plus the just 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 generally how complete the product is becoming yeah so, and i think oh, go in on, terms go on. of the sizing sorry Kevin. in terms of the sizing although you know we're we're not necessarily we can't sort of name the names of some of these bigger ones but one of the indicators i suppose to give people a feel for you know what we mean by a big win i think is that some have come in recently and when we originally spec'd out dma well we know we can we we're comfortable that we can support more than the numbers we state but i noticed today a slide i was giving an update to a to a cisco colleague and i noticed on a slide that in one point i there was something about the scaling of five thousand plus devices um, for dma when in fact there's a piece of work going on right now so that we can put in and and, and confirm ten thousand plus so that probably gives an idea of the scale that we're seeing coming in because we are seeing opportunities for DMA that are looking to get towards those kind of numbers of devices. So that, that might give an idea of the size of the wings we're talking about, I think, in some areas. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, so with that foundational platform now in place then for the, for the last couple of years you've been working on that, what do you see as the critical kind of VQ, if I can call them 4.0 deliverables, I mean, what are the what are the customers asking for? What are you what are you seeing out in the market? Do you want me to kick that one off and then maybe you follow up, John? Or, um, I think yeah. I think you know the the four zero platform has been a big 
a really big in, investment in, in getting it done. And so, you know, it's a critical, a, 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 a cadence, you know, regular, regular, regular cadence of deliveries, which is what we're now achieving, which is great. Um, we've got the parity now with the old 3X platform. So all the DMA functionality is now on, on uh, four. And then the next big one really is the high availability feature that's coming just over the, just over the horizon, which is another big one that's been a, a lot of work to get that done. So do you want to add to that, John? Yeah, well, I think, I think you hit that. I mean, obviously the original, the original big, big reveal with four was, it was the platform that got APL status, yeah. you know, so that this signed off on that. So that was, it wasn't the only reason we did force four is our future architecture. You know, like talks about, because we're going to be transitioning our customers from 3X to 4X and all new sales of four. Um, but yeah, I was going to say high availability or DMA on it, high availability. And then in the new year, it's about delivering all of the additional functionalities. So there's, there's a lot of things in DMA that people want. And I think, as I said, we, did, we weren't looking to make a copy of TMS. We're making sure we could support all the functions that TMS gave people. But now it's about delivering the, the VQ sort of goodness to DMA. And that's that's based on customer requests as well as us just thinking up good things. So really looking forward to delivering all of that, all of that stuff on the four platform as well. I think that's the key point, isn't it? That the four is the platform. All, all new stuff moving forward is on the four is on the four platform. All right, I think that's pretty clear. So, so with, I think it's fair to say that that VQR focused not solely, but certainly uh, predominantly in the in that kind of government federal space where they're kind of tied to on-prem uh, air gaps type of installations. So. What what feedback and trends are you hearing from those customers around? Yeah, are are they staying there? Are they even thinking about going to a cloud or a federated cloud solution? Um, and any kind of insights there? Uh, can I answer that one? I think what I, what I'd say is that the thing that's become quite surprising is just how big the air gapped opportunity is. We seem to be seeing more and more opportunities coming through for it and um that that for us is good and customers have choice and some people can't move some people don't want to but the the the, the category is big enough for us to be successful in and um it, it is quite surprising the the almost the relentlessness of the opportunities coming in actually would you what would you say steve absolutely and you know we, we've done a lot of business over the, the, the last few years in that in the u.s space but we were out in the middle east last week and the number of opportunities out there and the, the hundreds of thousands of users and then you know one of the one of the opportunities was talked about was five thousand plus devices and you know all, all air gapped all on premise and you know, in the in the uk number of large-scale opportunities in, in the UK as well. Um, it, it's just everywhere. There's, there's, a, there's a lot more, and there's, there is that swing back a little bit towards on-premise. Um, we, we, again, in the last couple of weeks, we spoke with somebody that was using Microsoft Teams, and they've been, they were told, they, they said, we've got to get off Microsoft Teams, and we're going to move back to CMS, and we need to be on-premise. So some of that is a you know, different re reason. Some of it's data sovereignty, so some of the European countries are 
got very strict views on, on data sovereignty and where the data needs to sit. Um, obviously, WebEx are launching data centers in Saudi, which is great because that gives them some data sovereignty for, for those customers. But they've still got those organizations that that, that need to be on, on premise and they're mandated to be. So, um, yeah, it's, I don't think it's going anywhere. That's, yeah, I suppose what, what I would add to that, though, because it's always a worry that, that that sounds like we're saying, well, you know, the answer's on prem, not cloud, is it's just this being cautious about the use of the word cloud. You know, there's, there's what they've referred to as cloud video conferencing services, but I always think of them as being SaaS. You know, they're, they're the good old UC as a service, aren't they? Um, the, in, in sort of 2021, we did, we did make a little bit of a, a prediction that we thought that people weren't going to be looking at cloud architecture, however that's done, whether that's public cloud, secure cloud, or even private cloud, but the use of the sort of architecture. And we we looked at that and we, we spoke to people, we thought it's, it's at least two years out from what we're doing, but we did do some um, experiments and some prototypes um, in that time. Uh, we often explain, we often describe Conference Manager and the way you deploy it, that while it's given to you as a virtual machine, you know, it runs on VMware, we often refer to it as a cloud in a box because our internal architecture actually uses a lot of componentry that you'd find in um, in the world of cloud using something called Kubernetes. So we have done tests and we have got the ability to take the cloud out of the box. And we are looking at making, um, and we, we're looking in 24 to sort of do the early versions of this, of actually making it what we call cloud deployable. And that would be against... The, the sort of the, the public or the secure versions of things like AWS, Azure, and GCP. So you've got like AWS GovCloud, I think is one of the common ones in Azure for defense or Azure DOD, I think they call it. Um, but also things like the, the Red Hat OpenShift platform, which is a cloud architecture. It's a Kubernetes environment. So we're, we're quite confident that our platform can be brought into a, a version that can be deployed into those architectures as well for those organizations that have opted to move certain workloads into a cloud of some description, much as a lot of enterprises did or started to do maybe three years ago. So we, 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 we're, we're, we're making sure we're, we're ready for that and we are capable of, of giving people that, but not the SaaS sort of flavor that I think a lot of people associate with that. that good, good clarification. I think that's, uh, that's, uh, that's very clear. So I guess switching gears a little bit then. So I've, Heard a little bit recently around a new project um, called Metro. So could you explain briefly what that is and how that enhances the current VQ platform and, and features? Yeah, so I suppose the, the simplest description of Metro is it's, it's, it's our end-user-focused sort of conferencing client. A lot of my, people might think of conferencing, conference manager and sitting in the around the operator console and the very complex, you know, very, very capable, detailed way of, of building out conferences and managing them. So what we've done is we've started to sort of start looking more at what the end user needs, the end user of the services that our customers build. Um, and that's what Metro is all about. So it's, it's delivering sort of the power of the combined conference manager CMS environment to the end user to give them an interface that's much more friendly and gives them just what they need, rather than throwing the whole <laughs> the whole boat at them that you might get in in the regular CM version. 
but that's combined with um, a WebRTC voice and video capable client. So people who know CMS will know of um, the web app capability. And what we've done is we've built on top of that, working with the CMS team to build our client and the ability to have this, this WebRTC video client available. The idea is that that's then available as an application, so you can deploy it. It works inside the browser. It comes as a Windows client, as a Mac OS, so two desktop clients. It can run on uh, mobile devices in web mode, but we will be delivering an iOS version of the app as well. So it's what we sort of the internal metro was talk about metro for everything. It's like where where an end user might be working or exist or want to be creating meetings, that's where we've got to get Metro to. So we can, we can get a full mobile client, say in the browser on the desktop, but also then as integrations into Outlook or into Teams. Um, so the, the Metro for Outlook add-in was released along with Metro 1.0, which we, we released what, last week through a sort of webinar and a soft release of 1.0 of Metro. Um, the existing plugin is it's still being developed, so that's a plugin to Outlook rather than add-in. Um, that will be rolled up under the Metro banner as well. Um, and then let's say Metro for Teams is one that we demonstrated at Cisco Live this year, and we'll be making that fully available in 2024. So, yeah, Metro, Metro is for end users wherever they need to be able to use the functionality. You know, of, the, of the VQ conference manager and access the CMS, the power of it. That's good. It's, it's been it's been really quite interesting seeing how well Metro was received. Yeah, it's it's a concept that's resonating. Great. Yeah, and a natural a natural extension to uh, to to what you guys have already done. Okay, so we've um, been jointly and, and I think fair to say extremely successful in the three years that we've been. Um, in partnership. So what, what do you guys put the success down to in, in working with, with Cisco? I think we were top three partner, weren't we, Kevin, last financial year? Uh, I think Is you were, that yes, that? that's true. And, and in fact, top for, for Q4 alone. So, uh, yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> I think in terms of our success, and others can comment on this in a, in a, in a minute, around the, the, the wider engagement, but I think we've... We're obviously on a program, the Solutions Plus program, which works extremely well for us. It gives us um, global reach in terms of um, access to partners and being able to transact business globally. I think we probably push the boundaries of the program a little bit and keep you on your toes, um, which is very, very gratefully re um, received. And I think it, it's a lot about the relationship, but also that expectation that the tap didn't just get switched on when we joined the program. It's a lot of hard work. It's not a hard graft. It's building relationships with partners, end users, um, the, the collaboration salespeople within within Cisco, and um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a slog, but we're closing some some big deals, and the relationship really with Cisco is kind of instrumental in um, in doing that. It's so, been remarkable how well that relationship has worked, hasn't it? Yeah, really, yeah. really tight and very successful. And and it's right the way across the business. So we've got those relationships within within the the, the sales organisation. Um, with yourself, Kevin and Taryn, but uh, I think maybe maybe John might want to comment on the relationship with the with the business unit and and, and the engineering side mm -hmm. of the business as well. So you know it, it's it's very wide reaching the relationship and and it just continues to go from strength to strength. So it's it's yeah great to be part of. Sure. 
Yeah, certainly on the, on the product and engineering side of it, in terms of the relationship with Cisco, um, we 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 get some really good stuff. It's it's people often say this. It's difficult. It's it's sometimes difficult to navigate and find who you need to speak to inside of Cisco. But once you find them, they're very no easy one's to ever said that before, John. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they haven't. Um, but I, 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 when I joined when I joined VQ, as I said, I came from the from the dark side of the of the of the customer. Um, but I've had a, lot, a long term relationship with Cisco in that, doing video conferencing and all sorts of different things in the UC space, and had always found Cisco incredibly easy to work with. Did some fantastic things with Cisco then, and I, I sort of came in, I think, with that same view that you could work with Cisco like this, and it, and it's proved to be the case. On the on the other side of that fence, so yeah, as Steve says, you know, with, with the CMS product and engineering team, the devices products and engineering team, as we've done DMA, you know, we, we've got some great relationships and and just very open to to helping us do what we need to do. And we ask the questions, and so we, we have some really good relationships with a, with a number of you know different people and teams. Great, yeah, and I think that's for anybody else listening. I think that this is the this is the recipe for success in terms of, you know, it is, it, it is hard graft, but once you've done the hard graft, you do get the reward. And I think that's what you guys are starting to, uh, to see now and, and the scale of not just the engagements, but the size of the orders as well is, um, uh, is phenomenally different. So super. Okay. So finally then, um, just for folks that want to connect with, with Mike, John or Steve, how, how do they do that? Uh, what's the best way to kind of reach you? Uh, probably through the WebEx spaces we've got and ask VQ space, probably the, probably the easiest thing to do or mail info at vqcoms.com. But I'd probably suggest the, suggest the, um, WebEx space. Yeah. The ask VQ space, uh, is available to, to everybody. Uh, and also you can see other questions that have been asked historically as well just to make sure that uh, you know, you're not asking repeat questions so yeah best place to go is there um and uh, yeah you can find out all the links uh, on our usual site okay so let's finish off uh quickly with a, a bit of a lightning round here and and guess there's three of you so maybe you all want to answer um but let's kick off with uh, best part about living in the uk oh i'm gonna i'm gonna try and get that one first i think what i like the most we we live in a we're about an hour and a half west of London, so it's it's a very low density green area, and it's just beautiful. So there are great walks and sights. We've got a city called Bath or Bath if you're in the UK, and Bristol nearby. London's an hour down the road if you need it. So it's just a, a really really nice part of the world to live in. Great pubs, great food, really good. Any other contributors? Yeah. No, I'd I'd look to that question, and I, I, I'd actually thought because you can get flights to pretty much anywhere else really easily. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've, I've, I've previously had the opportunity to to move to other countries that haven't happened in travel. But yeah, I, I think like Mike says, the UK, especially since I I moved to the down to the seaside last year, um, and now live on the coast. You you, you forget. You know how much lovely countryside and things you can see in your own country. You don't have to go elsewhere to find some, some <laughs> great things. Yep, spot on. Okay, talking of going elsewhere, favorite travel destination. 
Well, I've said before Barcelona when, when I think when you asked me this last time, and I'm going to change that to not having a favorite, the favorite travel destination being somewhere else and going off and seeing new places. So I have the pleasure of going to Portland for a Cisco VQ event thing that we're doing in December. So that will be interesting, Portland in December. And then I'm my first, first time to Austin next, next March. So um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing new places. So rather than favorite place I've been, looking forward to seeing even more of the world. Yeah. So I'd, I'd follow on that. I, I really like walking around London and exploring London down towards when you, you walk through the parks and, for example, down onto the South Bank. That area is fantastic. Uh, I really like going to D.C., Washington. I think that's always great. And I also like exploring France. So that would be my list, I think. I think the thing with London is you, it's very easy to get caught up in the the main destinations and the main roads and the main <laughs> railway stations but you step a couple of streets that, back that's exactly it and the landscape or the <laughs> architecture is completely and different you walk diagonally me. through things it's yeah. absolutely fantastic what you find yeah. it's really interesting yeah, yeah i suppose uh, there would have been a time i probably would have said you know in terms of favorite places and, and why is london because I, I used to live in london and i'd often spend sundays just go to a part of london and then just walk around for a few hours yeah. and then figure out how to get home afterwards but um, <laughs> yeah from a work perspective i think a bit like steve it's just like anywhere i've not been to before because i love to walk around and find out what places like but of places i've worked I, I do enjoy going back to new york i just there's something about new york i like a lot um and then from a personal perspective um I mean, it's, it's Menorca in the, in the Balearics. I, I first went there when I was about 12 and went there for a lot of time, but it's a bit of a second home. Um, I just, I, I like places, and Menorca is one of those, when I step off the plane, I suddenly feel myself relax. <laughs> and then I just, I just feel chilled straight away. Just what can I get on with that? And I think there's nothing like being able to go to somewhere where you do just feel all of the, all the tension just come out of your body as you get there. And, and know that you're going to be relaxed for the whole time. Sounds good. Okay, final one. Favourite cuisine? One word. The food that's <laughs> here <laughs> is amazing. I had for lunch <laughs> ham, leek, and cheese pie, chips, and peas with mint, and a lovely gravy. Actually, you can't get away from some. Some everyone says British food. Mm. But actually, there's some, there's some pretty decent but, food if it's cooked good. And um, if anybody ever comes and visits us at, at VQ, then um, the, the food's pretty good. Yeah, British, British food with super British food with, with really good ingredients that someone's taken care of over cooking. There's just nothing to beat it. I know everywhere else in the world slates British cooking, but no, if you go to the right places and it's done in the right way, did have a fantastic mutton biryani in, in Riyadh last week, though, so... Yeah. Well, probably British food, then. <laughs> Italian, Italian, Italian for me. <laughs> I was going to say, how did you top all of that? But that's uh, that's great. OK, brilliant. So thank you. What about you, Kevin? Th thank you all. Thank you for being part of the, uh, the podcast series again. Um, I look forward to welcoming you back potentially next summer and see how all of this new innovations progressed so uh yeah thanks again thank, thank you very much thanks kevin bye-bye
Don't forget all our featured ecosystem partner products are available through Cisco. Connect to your Cisco sales rep for more details. We hope you enjoyed today's edition with EQ Communications. Next time, we'll get into more episodes with Solutions Plus and our partners. Don't forget to click subscribe to this podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.